Now's the time to tell tales of the unaccountable. Zambi, what do you fear? What do you fear? Consider you find someone mummified. I already like this story. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We just need you to hunt the giant owl. He just looks too suave to be Dracula. <laughs> too suave to be Dracula. Remember, you are bringing her back to life, so there is that. You got that to pony up on. Be afraid. Be marginally afraid. Welcome to Pulp Nightmare. I'm Mike. I'm MB. Oh, it's been a while. Yeah, it has. Uh, it's too long. Things have changed. Do you, do you have a job? Yeah, that's... That's no joke, actually. I do have a job now. <laughs> we, it's been so long since we've recorded that my life has substantially improved somehow. Well, not improved, but... You know. Oh, yeah. How, how's it going, anyway? Um, it was hell at first, I have to admit. It was utter, utter hell. But that's mostly because I'm terribly out of shape, and it's a very physical job. So... Yeah, that was a bit of a hurdle to get through, and there was a lot of stress involved. There was a lot of weird, weird things that came up that I had no idea were even in me, like hyperventilating at one point. You hyperventilated? Yeah, because uh, I was just so overtaken with stress. Um, it was like one of the first two days. Uh, did you have to like do the whole paper bag thing? Uh, not. I didn't. I didn't have a paper bag, but I. Yeah, it was it was bad. So now imagine you used a plastic bag and passed out. <laughs> no, there are plenty of them. <laughs> and it is the weirdest. Oh, by the way, I um, I work overnight stocking at Walmart, and it is insanely weird to look around at some point during the night and realize that you're in the middle of an empty Walmart in the middle of the night. That must be so creepy and weird. It's bizarre. Like you're in a you're in an alternate universe almost. And oddly enough there's still people that come in. What kind of what's the clientele at three AM in a Walmart? Weirdly enough, like they they don't really differ from the daytime clientele. They're just less of them. Really? Like like they're I, I saw okay, one of my first days I was working in the chemicals department, which is you know, you have your basic uh, like laundry detergents, and you have air fresheners and stuff like that. So I was just stocking shelves, and I swear these two kids walked past me, and I and I looked over and I was like, "Well, that's kind of bizarre." You say kids, like how old? Uh, seven, eight, nine, something like Jesus. that. Jesus. So I, I thought that was weird, but I I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and went about my business. A few minutes later, they. They walked back into the aisle, walked past me, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, what the hell is going on? Because, first of all, I'm in the detergent aisle. <laughs> what kid is interested in the detergents? Um, Not to mention two. Uh, drug addicts? Yeah, yeah, or peddlers. <laughs> peddlers? <laughs> They're dealing some of that smack. Dealing um, some of that fucking... <laughs> Clorox. <laughs> and this happened a couple times during the night. It was it was very, very strange to have to experience that because like when you stock, you have a shopping cart in the middle of an aisle 
and you put boxes into it and you kind of unload it as you go along. And just to have to constantly move the cart because other people are trying to get through. And then you realize you, you like you stop yourself and you realize like, why are they in here at like 5 a.m.? <laughs> Who shops for cereal at 5 a.m.? <laughs> they want breakfast. And, and people also came into the detergent aisle in droves asking me where the garbage bags were. See, that's suspect. People ask for garbage bags in the a.m. Yeah, that's, that... It, uh, they're with the other corpse supplies, sir. And the and like the amount of elderly people that shop in the dead of night. Really? That's even more surprising. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Like, there was a... 60 or 70 year old woman the other day that was shopping in the frozen department. Really? Yeah. Her and her husband and it was very difficult because they wouldn't go fast like like just get their stuff and move on. They had to actively examine everything and I couldn't stock the uh, the shelves that they were at so I had to move on to the next aisle and stock there and wait for them to leave. And I, I get I, frustrated. I hate old people shopping. I I have experienced so much of that this week, dude. <laughs> just want them to die quicker. It's an active job hazard now for me. <laughs> Old people. Old people and children. I I can't understand. I'm really surprised that that's the kind of clientele. I've been to I've gone like stores at like three o'clock in the morning or whatever, but it's more like you know gas stations or. Weird places you have if there's if you ha- need something like yeah you know maybe the power's out or whatever and don't get me wrong like it's still insanely underplayed compared to a normal day at Walmart like you do not get even half the people that you do during the day it's it's kind of amazing how empty the store is but then every once in a while someone comes up and it's just the most bizarre encounter you'll ever have because they're shopping for the weirdest things like some some dude was buying pop tarts in droves in droves at at four o'clock like he was he was basically clearing out the entire shelf just pop tarts yeah just pop tarts he was high (laughs) (laughs) that's very possible i there have been a couple of people that have come in that i've i've just looked at them and went yeah, they're they're high. Like there was this dude with dreadlocks and wearing pajamas. If he wasn't high, then there's then what the yeah. fuck, man? Yeah, get your shit together. <laughs> so like like three a.m. in a Walmart is like four p.m. at like a Target. Yeah, or just like a C or any normal store. Yeah, like the it's weird because another thing that's really bizarre about the job is that every time I go in, it's at 10 o'clock in, at night, and the store's still relatively packed by then because, you know, it's not technically that late. But then I go in, I clock in, we have, you know, our opening meeting, which takes about 15 minutes, and then we go and start on our shifts, and by the time I get out there, it doesn't take an hour before the store is dead quiet and and empty. Like, like they all just acknowledge that it's too late, and then the other people come in. Like, I, I have no idea what the mentality behind half of that is. I, I'm really surprised by all that. Yeah, like I, I assumed there would be 
you know, there would be people in there, but it would just be more weird and bizarre. Yeah. People actually shopping. This makes me want to just go into a Walmart and buy, like, a big screen TV at 2 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. You could. Someone, I mean, people do man the electronics department back then. <laughs> Like, I mean, how would it be weird if someone walked in there, you know, 5 a.m. and bought a gun? I I pray I never have to run that section. <laughs> I, especially because you're in Indiana. Yeah. Like, this was a whole subset of fucking with people in weird ways I never, <laughs> I've never considered before. Buying weird shit late at night. It just never... And, <laughs> and here's, here's something also you need to know is that most of the people that are stalking won't pay attention to you, so you could probably get away with a lot of stuff. I can imagine. I mean, it's already pretty easy to rob a department store during the day. Yeah, like, that was another weird thing was that I was at my orientation, like, a couple Saturdays ago. I've been on the job about two or, th- two, I think, two weeks at this point. I mean, I've worked a, two weeks' worth of days, but I was at my orientation, and... They pretty much told me it is insanely easy to rob a Walmart. All you have to do is run when the alarm hits, yeah. and you will get out scot-free. Yeah, because they Cause, can't chase you. No, they can't. It's against company policy for you to move against. Like, you can't even confront someone who you actively see shoplifting. Yeah, it's it's like that in pretty much any store, any department store, because yeah. it's cheaper insurance-wise. It's cheaper for the thing they stole as a loss than anything to happen to an employee or anything else. Like, there are so many protocols that don't make sense regarding that. There are so many protocols that don't make sense in general regarding that store. It's... It is weird. It's like, I've always wondered about the shoplifting rules. Like, why don't you just have a security guard nearby? Oh, oh, this, this is... This is something amazing that I found out, was that in our store specifically, like, they keep track of all the, like, the big shoplifters and stuff like that, like the big items that have been shoplifted. There was a woman who was caught shoplifting that had cosmetics bags full of big-name electronics, $6,000 worth of stuff. And they, like, they, on the back room, they have pictures of everything she stole. Like, there was a big-screen TV. There was, (laughs) there were, like, a couple of Blu-ray players and here's the best part. The reason she was caught shoplifting was because every time someone went near her, she started cursing them out <laughs> because she was overly paranoid and couldn't get through to the entrance without causing a scene. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm imagining all these bags are very small bags, but they're magical. <laughs> like she somehow put a big screen TV in there. <laughs> How do you even shoplift a big screen TV? It's... It's really easy in Walmart. (laughs) This makes me just want to steal stuff now. Plus, plus, something else I found out the other day is that, technically speaking, the big-name electronics don't have the things in them that set off the alarms. That is true, yeah. So, you could even walk out with a big-screen TV and not technically even have someone pay attention to you. Pretty much. I mean, if you... um... If you bought other stuff in the electronics department and had it bagged, and then just walked yeah. over, put a big screen TV in your cart, and you could just walk straight out. Yeah. It's always it's always amazed me at how incredibly easy it is to shoplift department stores, but very few people do it. Like the only thing really stopping anyone is the security cameras. That's it. Yeah. 
and let me tell you something. The only person who works security is one dude. <laughs> who doesn't care. No, not at all. Like, I, I legitimately did want to see if I could transfer over to security because that seems like such an easy job. I've always wanted to do that. Because all, all you have to do is sit back in a room and uh, full of monitors. Because they don't want you, because the company doesn't want you to actually do anything. No. They just want to say they have security as a, as a measure. Uh, but yeah, when it comes like, to actually stopping anybody, you're not allowed to do anything. Like, I was talking with Hero, and he also works for Walmart, and he basically told me that everything Walmart does is to prevent themselves from being sued. Yeah, exactly. That That's a horrifying notion. <laughs> because that dictates literally everything they do. Like the only reason they give us breaks is so we is because there's a law in Indiana that you cannot go six hours without a break. Otherwise, they make it very clear they wouldn't care about giving you breaks. Really, that's a law in Indiana. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's actively enforced though. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a weird little mini, like mini culture. In the back room of a Walmart. Like, the rules are always different for some reason. Well, Walmart is pretty much its own country. Yeah. That's that's honestly what it feels like. And the worst part of the job for me so far has just been the fact that because Walmart just, like, I, I don't know what exactly the reasoning behind it is, but all they will do as far as music on the intercom goes is play the exact same set of songs over and over on a, on loop. So all of them terrible pop songs. You know, I'm oh god. Um I'm sure there's it's country some, music. Always fucking country music in fucking those stores. I've always kind of assumed they have they figured out some sort of algorithm why they they pick certain kinds of songs and play them in a certain order because it makes people buy more stuff. <laughs> I don't have anything to back this up, but I swear it's I believe possible. it. I believe it. Like, I, the amount of times I've gone home and had terrible, terrible songs stuck in my head over the past two weeks is mind-numbingly painful. Like, it's it just, I can't, even now, if I think really hard, I can, I can probably, like, identify a lot of what is on that one track that they play because it's just one CD. That's all it is. It's one CD on a loop of just various songs that play throughout the night. And you're there for eight hours straight, technically nine hours, but they don't count your lunch. So you can leave at any time during your lunch, which I do frequently because I want to escape that horrible, horrible music. (laughs) I've always wondered what would happen if they just didn't play music. You're in a grocery done that. store or whatever and just didn't play anything. Someone would probably complain that they should be playing music or something. But then, you know, people would also come back and complain that you're playing the same songs over and over, and that's like, it's a losing battle either way. I, it's like, I wonder if there's some sort of, if a store's quiet while people shop, while people are shopping, it somehow breaks down society and everyone just loses their fucking minds. Well, if they're not distracted by it, like they suddenly realize, like what a ripoff some of this stuff is. Like it's just walking, just it's some kind of carnival of horrors. It all turns into. You walk down an aisle, there's somebody eating somebody else's foot. <laughs> there's somebody shitting on somebody else's face. <laughs> you 
You talk as if that hasn't already happened at some point. <laughs> Have you seen anyone masturbate yet? Thankfully not. But like, uh, in, right now we're actually going through the process of remodeling, and there's this like they they're redoing the entire shelves and a lot of the grocery areas. So at any point during the night, like the entire paper towel aisle, for instance, was shut down yesterday. And for some reason that has yet to be explained to any of us, there is this horrible smell that <laughs> that comes out every time they're remodeling. And all we get is customers complaining about the smell. It's it's because the building itself is the husk of a demon <laughs> that they're now much. slowly cutting open whenever they remodel. Like someone uh, that I work with actually mentioned that it smells like something died. <sighs> It's all of your souls. <laughs> Did I say how fucking hilarious it is to hear the paper aisle, the paper towel aisle is shut down? <laughs> you know, it's funny talking about the dead bodies. When you first told me you got the uh, the, the night shift at Walmart's, with you know your stock boy position and being a night shift, I immediately imagined that you were in some kind of weird thriller movie where there was a serial killer who's piling up bodies, and because you're working a night shift, you take it upon yourself to try to solve the crime. <laughs> That's what it feels like every time I go to lunch, <laughs> because I have to walk out in the dead of night and walk across the street. It feels like at any point someone could just pull over and jump me. But I have a box cutter with me because that's standard issue. So if anyone tries anything. Once again, you can go all Gus Spring on. Exactly. I still can't believe you were not the only one to make that joke. <laughs> so imagine somebody, trying to, somebody tries to jump you and rob you, take out your box cutter, and give the uh, what does a man do speech to him. This confuses them. <laughs> I don't understand. They just get back in their car and drive off. I was still all for you solving a serial killer murder, though. Like piles, bodies start piling up behind the Walmart. It something, can still happen. Some some conspiracy going on. Well, that massive, massive cooler in the back could easily hide a couple of them. Like the cooler itself is the size of a small department store. Question: Have you been um, welcomed into some kind of stock boy secret society yet? Uh, yeah, I'm not allowed to talk about that. Okay, I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. I think there's a hidden door that opens up, and there's some kind of – some stuff goes down underneath the Walmart. Oh, believe me. I, there's stuff that probably goes on, like, beneath, like behind the walls, even. Have <laughs> you ever seen the people under the stairs? Same thing. They're all wearing blue shirts. It's just going <laughs> to take LL Cool J to fucking take them all down. I wonder if that was LL Cool J in that movie. That'd be racist of me to say. That probably is, and you've put it all you put it out there, so Yeah, no. Remember when Hello Cool J played a cook in that shark movie? Oh, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. I have that. Really? I have that movie, yeah. <laughs> Man, it's, why? it's hilarious. It is why? it is fucking hilarious. I, I want to do a pulp commentary for it one day. I, I would be all for that. Wasn't there like a robot shark in that movie too? That was like the No 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 no. They're they're all genetically modified sharks. Genetically modified sharks. 
Like they have like at one point I remember in the movie they cut open one of the sharks and they, it the shark has a brain twice the size of a normal human brain. <laughs> and also this causes them to be able to swim backwards. Oh this yeah. This was swing. a big this was a big plot point. I forgot the swing backwards thing was a plot point in that movie. You know there was just some bullshit scene they came up with when they were writing it and they realized like Ah, oh, fuck, the sharks can't swim backwards. They'll never get out of this situation. We can't continue the movie. Then someone fucking piped up from the other side of the room. He's eating a taco or something. Wait! And this, that somehow became the movie that actually could swim backwards. It was just going to be a normal shark movie. <laughs> they added genetic splicing, and for some reason, Stellan Skarsgård was added to the cast, and... That's a that's a weird fact about that movie. Stellan Skarsgård and Thomas Jane shared the screen, along with Samuel L. Jackson. And L.O. Cool J. And that one chick whose name escapes me. Victoria Hand. Oh, was that her? Yep. Wow. Um, the Saffron, amount. Saffron, Saffron, Saffron Burroughs, that's it. Yeah. Man, the amount of references going on there. <laughs> the entire Marvel Universe is in that movie. The Punisher and, and Eric Selvig and Nick Fury. That's so weird. All brought together to be eaten by cartoonishly CGI sharks. Did Saffron Burroughs die there too? Yeah, she did. And she was she was so much hotter back then too. She's still pretty hot now. She is. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Deep Blue Sea aside. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea, sadly aside. Not that I don't like giant, genetically engineered sharks. You know well, you how know, I feel about sharks. Well, you know they're they're the fiercest killers in the animal kingdom. Awesome. Seriously, is it possible that Deep Blue Sea is some kind of gritty, realistic version of Street Sharks? <laughs> you can't say they're not. I can see that as a sequel to Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> like the sharks just suddenly walk on land, they start talking. What was the last time you watched an episode of Street Sharks? Easily nineties. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I've seen the intro a thousand times. I mean, I just want to go back and just marvel at how that show worked. What I remember the most about Street Sharks is the fact that um, there was these kids' meal toys that came out for it. And all they were was um, they were giant busts of each of the characters yeah, that, could, that could split open, and then you had the teeth. I remember that. Those were the stupidest toys ever. I think I threw it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Remember when McDonald's had the Inspector Gadget toys and everyone just wanted the arm and no one got it? I got every single piece of it. I got. I think I got two chests. I um, I remember it took me a long time to find the hat. I think I had the hat. Uh, and all, all, they all sucked except for the arm, which no one got. The arm was pretty cool. Yeah. I, there were some weird, weird toys. That kind of, specifically McDonald's Happy Meal toys. Like, I don't know what it is about that restaurant specifically, but um, I remember I had a Spider-Man figure that came out around the time of the animated series, and it was just Peter Parker, but then you like you pulled his arm up, and it flipped over, and it had it, the half-Spider-Man face. It was the creepiest thing ever, because his face would go into his chest, and his chest and back would open up. Oh yeah, I got that action action figures like that were so in vogue in the '90s, and they were all fucking creepy. 
Like I had one of those where um for the shadow, actually. Where it was Lamont Cranston, you stuck his head down and you stuck his head was... down into his neck and then place a different head on top of him. Yes. I had that. I have two of those. They were the fucking weirdest things. I had a couple of Batmans like that. Like I had the first Batman Forever figure I got, I remember being that. Like you stuck his head down and you snapped on the armor and you put the Batman head on him. Yeah, and because they all and you would also get, like, run into this problem like you you snapped it on and then occasionally it would come loose so the head would bob up and snap the Batman head off and then it would go flying fucking off too just, and would always hurt and hit you. It, it was like this. It was a device designed to hurt things. It was like a weapon, and you because you could never really play with it because if you hit it, it just slightly too much, the thing would just go flying across the room. Did I ever tell you about my uh, Beast action figure? No. I got a Beast action figure from, and and this is going to explain a lot, a Goodwill. To be fair, I never had a Beast action figure, and I'm incredibly jealous right now. Well, uh, it's it's funny because um, first time I ever played with the Beast action figure, I accidentally dropped it from a very low height, I should say, and it shattered. Shattered? Not shattered, but... Its legs fell off. <laughs> so, to be fair, had, you could do some kind of weird Age of Apocalypse story from, from that from that point on. That was before I knew Age of Apocalypse existed. So, for all I knew, this was a this this was toy no more. <laughs> See, when, whenever my toys lost limbs, I would just make it canon. <laughs> <laughs> like I had a Sunfire with one. I had a uh, Sunfire with one arm, so he just had one arm. I had a medieval spawn with one leg because the day I got the fucking toy, his leg. No, it wasn't medieval spawn. It was normal spawn. And the day that I got the toy, his leg just fell off. It was just shoddy work. God damn it. So I, it, it was canon. He only had one leg. I had a Django Fed action figure back in 2002. And I think I lost the other arm because all the Star Wars figures, for some reason, like their arms could snap off. I never understood that. Like, nothing else could, but their arms could. Yeah, I had action figures like that, too, where the arms just came off for no apparent reason. And I lost that. And I think with Django, uh, it, it just, for some reason, I I still played with it, like, for a while. I mean, I was 12 at the time, so I was kind of slowly coming out of the phase of playing with toys. But it was the most bizarre thing to bring out ar- one-armed Django Fett against, like, Darth Maul or something. To be fair, that makes Django more interesting. How how PC of us, by the way, where it's like you know you, you're quadriplegic, you're crippled, you can still fight. <laughs> yeah, go us. Yeah, like we're yeah fighting for <laughs> rights and stuff. We don't treat you like you're different. Yeah, it's like, that's why we're such big Oracle fans. It all makes sense. You should still be Oracle. Should uh. Should write a Spawn story where he only has one leg. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to segue into something. Go on. This week, <laughs> you and I had a interesting conversation over uh, IMs. I was – and just to put this all in context, I was at work, and I went to my break, which is at like 1.30 at night or 1.30 in the morning to about 2.30 in the morning, so I walked over to, uh, you have you have steak and shakes where you are, right? No. 
I, I know uh, what they are, though. We don't have them here. Yep. Well, I went over to a steak and shake and, and got like a burger and fries. And uh, while I was there, you you started to. Uh, I don't know whether I started IMing you or you started IMing me, but you were talking about Todd McFarlane. He made this fascinating post on Facebook talking about um, the process behind this panel of Spider-Man that he did, where it's an opening splash page of Eddie Brock in black and white. And he talked about like all the little details, nuance stuff that he added. And you and I were talking about just kind of the image comics artists and how they don't get enough credit for being storytellers, or at least uh, him and Larson, because... As we further discuss, we realize like none of the actual image artists beyond those two actually were great storytellers. No, but and I love Jim Lee. <laughs> but um, we were talking, and we came across the most brilliant joke we've had in a while, which is Stanley writing Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> I I just want to just entertain that thought for a minute. The idea of Spawn being created by Stanley in the 1960s, like he's still got all the same origins and stuff, and you know he's from hell. He 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 was given necroplasm by Mephistopheles. Uh, Mephistopheles, not Mephistopheles, but uh, He fights a villain called the Violator. Well, once again, the implications of Stanley creating necroflesh <laughs> make me so happy. It, it's it's it, oh. And then also think about it, like Stanley back then only created superheroes who were created through a means of radioactivity. <laughs> so, so just imagine, randomly, Stanley has a character go to hell. <laughs> well, maybe like instead of that, he had Al Simmons die from radiation poisoning, just to kind of make it fit in. And also having Spawn interact with the Marvel universe. Like, like, 60s Spawn interacts with 60s Spider-Man. Can you imagine 60s Spawn interacting with the Reed Richards? <laughs> Crazy black man. <laughs> What's my money, honey? Well, I'm trying to try to find some of our quotes we did as Stan Lee writing. Yeah. See if I can find it. Thanks for exciting podcasting. We'll do dramatic readings. But uh, I, I just found myself going back to that joke the rest of the week and just laughing because it was just so ridiculous. <laughs> well, uh, here, I, I found the first one. This is why this was funny to us. Wanda? With another man? No, my best friend. Terry, how could you? Blast it, they thought I was dead, but <laughs> now I'm not. Now I am something else. Credits. In all, like, you, you capitalized everything. This was your add-on. Drat! Wanda's coming! I must... Strange. It's as if my costume is some sort of sentient being of its own. Sensing the oncoming danger and... And metamorphing <laughs> into something else. Metamorphing. <laughs> I made me fucking lose it. <laughs> And then I added, he then turns into a white man to appear less <laughs> Which actually happened in a Spawn comic. Oh, Spawn was a weird fucking comic. Y- your reply was, Spawn was full of social commentary. <laughs> I just want to see what other things Stan Lee could write and create. Like, the devil being the villain was the least weird part of that comic. 
First issue of that comic is still amazing, though. Oh, it is. Stan Lee writes Mel Bolger. <laughs> well, fucking Stan Lee writing The Clown would be incredible. Oh, uh, and calling him the violator in, like, a dramatic Jack Kirby picture. <laughs> Jack Kirby drawing to spawn. <laughs> <laughs> God. Just other image characters created by Stan Lee, Savage Dragon. <laughs> now that was one that would actually make sense. Savage Dragon is pretty much already a Stan Lee character. He should be in the Marvel Universe. I know nothing of Savage Dragon. What's Savage Dragon's thing? He's a cop. I know he's a cop, but like, why is he a dragon? Because he is a dragon. I mean, I'll accept it. I, to be honest, I know nothing of him besides he's a cop and he's a giant dragon. That pretty much goes for a lot of image characters like Wildcats. They're a team of superheroes. What uh, what OG image char- OG image characters still are published? Just Spawn and Savage Dragon? I believe so, yeah. Uh, well, no, no, no. Supreme is still published. Really? Yep. Regularly? Yep. Hmm. It's it's a very very strange comic now. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, how does that how does that evolve? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it does. I'm pretty. I'm, I'm actually pretty sure that Liefeld writes it now, or went back to writing it or something. That's terrifying. I would like to see Wildcats come back. Yeah, that was the one thing that they kind of screwed over with the DC relaunch is that instead of bringing back Wildcats, they brought back characters from Wildcats. Because they work in solo books. You know how you big know of a grifter fan I am? Yeah. And, you know, everyone wants to read, you know, what's her name? Voodoo. Voodoo. See, like, I don't even remember the character's name. That's how... <laughs> I, I, honestly, the only real member of Wildcats I remember is Grifter. He had a cool mask. I remember Spartan. Because he's oh, yeah. essentially the Captain America Superman archetype. Yeah. Beyond that... Uh, oh, wait. Maul. I remember Maul because he was the giant Hulk guy. Uh, I, think even, I think I might have had an action figure of him. I think we've had action figures of everyone at some point. Yeah, I really wanted... I, I remember I've always liked Grifter's mask. I really wanted an action figure of Grifter. Oh, Grifter's actually pretty awesome in terms of just... He was the less retarded-looking one. He was the one who was an extreme. Yeah. Well, he was, but it worked for him because, like, he was essentially written like Wolverine. He's pretty much just if Wolverine and Gambit had sex and yeah. wasn't on Tumblr. I bet if I searched that right now, I'd find no, it on Tumblr. No, no, I'm not going to. No. I'm not going to. There's, there's not a hole we need to go down. What are you doing, Slim? Huh, <laughs> I've gone too far already. Oh, sweet, whisper sweet nothing in my mushroom. What a weird accent that was. <laughs> I accept it all the same, though. It's Gambit. When does he have a weird accent? I've loved, I love Gambit's accent in the fucking X-Men the Animated Series. I mean, Gambit was awesome on that show, but his accent was just sublime. <laughs> That's the reason Gambit is still remembered. Like, I'm pretty sure Gambit would have died off in the 90s if it weren't for that cartoon. <laughs> like, how, like, somehow Rogue's accent on that show was less over-the-top than Gambit's. Well, she was hot, so she had that going for her. She did have that. But yet, Gambit was... Whenever I think of this stereotypical Louisianan, like, that's who I think of. I just think they're all Gambit. (laughs) That's why I've never gone there. I don't want to get my wallet stolen (laughs) by Gambit. 
You don't want to have like an energy charged card thrown at you. How much how much do you think Gambit spends you early on playing cards? Um well how much does he get paid for being an X Man? Does he get paid? Assume you do if you're a teacher, but what does Gambit teach? Well, actually Wolverine and the X Men explained he doesn't teach. I didn't think so. So he steals all his money. Yeah. So let's No surprise he, to anybody. So let's assume he has pretty much unlimited funds. I would say he spends easily two thousand dollars for uh like a ninety nine cent deck of cards. Really? I I'm gonna go on a I think that's a pretty good pull. Because he'll definitely go for the cheap ones. It's Gambit. Yeah. Plus, it's like anything he touches can turn into kinetic energy, so he wouldn't necessarily need to go for top-of-the-line stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I would say in a bad year, like with a lot of Sentinel attacks, or you know, just, just one of those kind of X-Men years. The Plus, big you gotta event... Fa- you know. you got to factor in, he has to purchase uh, backups of his uniform. Yeah, there's that, too. Which, I mean, that leather coat has got to be expensive. I mean, he goes through those like fucking water. I would say he could spend upwards to $16,000. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, because in one Sentinel battle, he's going to go through at least, you know, 20 decks of cards. And, like, he throws multiple cards at people. Like, those, those are going to go even twice as fast. Do you think Gambit's ever accidentally charged up his deck to see what it feels like? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh! I would. I mean... If you're suicidal, then, you know. Because I imagine that would hurt. Well, he doesn't have to explode his deck. He can just charge it up. Well, does he really have the power to control that, though? Like, I thought everything he touched and used the power on, like, eventually exploded. He can turn it off. He can turn it off. As long as he doesn't let go (laughs) of it, he can turn it off. (laughs) As long as he doesn't let go, which, why would you let go? Uh, As long as he doesn't let go, he can... He can turn it back off. So, you know, that could be a thing he does. Oh, what if he charges his dick? Stay with me here. He charges his dick, jerks off, comes, and his semen can explode. (laughs) (laughs) And he can fire off his (laughs) So he's firing, like, exploding bullets at Sentinels? Yes. And, like, the rest of the X-Men are just watching horrified. <laughs> this is why I can't write X-Men. Well, here's, here's my question. Like, Wolverine has a metal skeleton. Go Does on. that extend down? Or is it, like, I know it's only covering his bones, but he has the claws. Wouldn't he, like, ask for an extra appendage? Like, do you think his mutation somehow reached down to his dick? Yeah, that's actually another good question. Is that does he have a healing factor for it? Like, like can he um, can he recover very quickly? I would imagine so. His healing factor would, yeah, I would say his healing factor would affect that. So he could just go back and you know back to back. <laughs> Wolverine is cutting off, <laughs> throwing at it, throwing it at people. <laughs> he just cuts it off, throws it at people, he grows a new one. I like how I was going with he could have a lot of sex at once, and you go, he could throw his dick at people by cutting it off and then regrowing it. But, I mean, uh, yeah, he can – I don't think he can regrow limbs. Like, like I I know my pull was weird, but think about it. Like, he does that to Sabretooth. Sabretooth never fights him again. Maybe that's why Sabretooth wants to fight him. Oh. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. 
Sabretooth is one kinky dude. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine would be into some weird shit. I mean, he wore what was essentially a feather boa for the early part of the 90s. And a bodysuit like he was giant Gonzalez. It looked like a body stocking. I never really understood his costume. He's, I, I love his costume, don't get me wrong. No, no, okay, well, let me just make something perfectly clear to you. People love the X-Men costumes. There's none of them that really make any sense. No, I guess that's true. <laughs> like, Wolverine is yellow and blue. I've never understood Gambit's headpiece. Gambit's headpiece, like, Cyclops' look in the 90s was weird, too, because, like, why just half the mask? Well, why, why was his hair so important that he had to make it stand out? Did you see that fucking hair? I guess that's true. Well, when did Cyclops' costume ever made sense? <laughs> like, it's pretty much was his original costume, because it matched everybody else's, so it makes sense, you know. Yeah, visor. He, has the, he has the visor, which makes him stand out, at least. And then his villain costume. Everything else in between doesn't make any goddamn sense. I guess maybe his astonishing costume, kinda? His astonishing costume is tactical. Uh, what about, like, his new X-Men costume? Because that's just, like, a leather bodysuit. Uh, it didn't count for anybody. Don't even mention that. Like, Cyclops has had a lot of weird looks in the comics. Saying that, Storm's costumes have always made sense. Well, she's Storm, so there's not a lot she does that doesn't make sense. And none of Kitty Pryde's costumes have made sense. None of Kitty Pryde's, none of Jean Grey's. Can can someone explain to me Jean Grey's 90s costume? Her 90s costume, her 80s costume, her Marvel Girl costume, her her Phoenix costumes, even. I'll give the Phoenix costume, at least it looks aesthetically cool. Well, the, that's what I was explaining, is that most of them look pretty cool, but none of them really make that much sense. Like, you can't see where the artist came up with it. I can remember in the 90s outfit, she had that head thing that she could, like, even though her powers didn't involve this, she could shoot energy from it or something. Yeah. Despite the fact that was not one of her powers. Like, I remember, it always looked weird because it looked like she wasn't wearing pants yeah, she had the weird flesh-colored pants, so so it looked like she had pouches like sewn into her skin. <laughs> Why Jean Grey needs pouches is anybody's guess. All of them had pouches, except for Wolverine. That was... <laughs> the one character who would have pouches. And he doesn't get any. Yeah. Well, Gambit didn't. Gambit just had uh, his coat. So Gambit, well, what's, what's weird with me is that with Gambit, he had that weird choker thing. Choker like a, like a like a giant blue choker that went around his, like, part of his costume and around his neck. What, what was with, like, it always looked like he was wearing an unnecessary piece of armor that covered, like, just the top of his, like, the top of his chest. Well, Gambit having a costume never made any sense, especially because most people just consider his costume to be the trench coat. Yeah. So he's wearing this weird purple, blue, and black costume for no reason at all. I will say that was really that was something really cool about movie Gambit was that all they really had was the trench coat and he still looked like Gambit. Yeah, it was like that's enough. He has the trench coat, the fighting. Well, he had a cane, but it, yeah. mounted, it counted as fighting stick. That's all you need. Yeah, and you with Wolverine, it's like a little bit more goes into it, or Cyclops, or anything like that. Gambit is just like he's a he's a very low, no nonsense type of character. So him overdoing it 
was a bit weird. Yeah, and his color scheme doesn't match the X-Men aesthetic. Okay, let's let's talk about the biggest thing regarding X-Men and their needless fashion choices. <laughs> Professor X's giant metal chair. <laughs> That's because Professor X is a dick. <laughs> He's like, you know what, give me a fucking giant yellow hover chair. It was like he was floating around in a gold hot tub. <laughs> Who says it wasn't? I guess that's true. You never saw what was going on beneath. <laughs> There's probably massager in there. Who the <laughs> fuck knows what's going on in there? Why does he need that guy? It's gigantic. What the fuck? Where are you even going to put that if you're going to go somewhere? And isn't Professor X one of those characters that has explained before that he can walk anytime he wants if he really tries hard? <laughs> He just doesn't want to. Well, he has the technology for a fucking hover chair and the danger room. I think he can make himself walk. (laughs) Fucking professor. I'm glad you're dead. (laughs) God damn. What an asshole. This fucking fab pimp chair. Dick. And also, like, going back to other fashions, is the weirdest part about all this is that the most normal looking one, the most consistently normal-looking character in the X-Men is Nightcrawler. (laughs) The Blue Elf. With his weird thing that he wears. Yeah, the red, like... It's like shoulder pads that goes into a V. I I like how Nightcrawler is essentially wearing a female character's costume from the 1970s. Yeah. He's wearing a swimsuit. It it kind of works for him, though. It does. I think it's because he's always hunched over for the most part. Yeah. Sure, if he stood up straight and just walked around all the time, it'd be creepy as hell. <laughs> like, oh, God, put it away. Well, well, also, I mean, it's Nightcrawler, so he looks that way anyway. That is true. He, good Lord. Rogue's always had a pretty good look for the most part. It's been simple. Except, except for her first appearance. Good Lord. Uh, with the with the hood? Where, where she looked like she was 70. Yeah, that was odd. Everybody looked older back then, though. Yeah. The one most impractical costume, I have to say, is Emma Frost. Yeah. It looks like it took her, like, three hours to get ready. Yeah, but that's Emma. Yeah. She she, she doesn't care it takes her that long to get ready. She just wants to look good. And she wants you to know she looks good. And then she'll turn into Diamond and kill you. What a bitch. And she makes that with Cyclops on Jean's grave. That's something I can get behind, though. You would. I mean, if you're going to do something, no half measures. That's what I say. Like, um, I'm trying to think of other X-Men characters. Like, this is a weird, weird tangent to go down, I, I admit, but, like, Colossus. Colossus' is, weird red and yellow outfit. Why, well, here's my here's my thing with it. Why does, he wear, why does he have to wear a uniform? He's metal. <laughs> well, he doesn't want to be naked, but here's my... Here's always been my thing. Why is... Colossus and Nightcrawler wearing the same outfit. Essentially, like they're both wearing swimsuits. Yeah, because I mean, side, uh, like it makes sense with a character like Beast because he's covered in fur. Yeah, but like Nightcrawler is never drawn like he has fur, even though it's explained he is like a fuzzy blue elf. Yeah, he, they, everybody just assume he has blue skin, but no, that's all fur. Well, it, and, and with Colossus's outfit, it looks okay when he's metaled up. But when he's just walking around, it looks it looks fucking weird. It does. And no redesign for Colossus. Just nothing. 
No. You know, that's still his outfits. Like, back in, like, even in Astonishing X-Men, when everyone got the really cool costumes, like, he still was, like, he came back and he still had the, the yellow and red. That motherfucker came back from the dead, and they were like, no, nah, just your old costume, it's good enough. Yeah. They give him one of the leather jackets. I mean, it's not like he, he, he gets girthier whenever he meddles up. So it's not like a Hulk situation. No. He needs stretchy pants. No. Though people do tend to draw Colossus as being Hulk size when he metals up for whatever reason. He's just a tall dude. That's what that's what I've always liked about him. Tall motherfucker. Tall Russian dude. Who just plowed Kitty Pride. I mean, just... Okay, okay. one more character that their costume has never made any sense to me. Havoc. Havoc has always been confusing on multiple levels. Especially whenever he wore the mask. Yeah. Like, I think okay. he recent I think he recently went back to wearing the mask. Did he? I think. I don't know. He's in Uncanny Avengers. His uh, his color scheme's always been confusing too. But it's his mask was okay, so he, when he activates his powers and they come out of his chest, it, yeah. it does the swirl thing around him. Mm-hmm. So his mask just yep. looks like the swirl thing. It's it's like he's walking around going, it's going to look like this when I go to fuck you up. <laughs> it looks like he's like one of those antennas on the top of a skyscraper. <laughs> but for his head. You always look like him a magician or something like that. I don't know what was going on. I was I always got him and Avalanche confused because they both had the confusing head pieces. Yeah, Avalanche's outfit. Avalanche has had a lot of different outfits. Yeah. Remember his outfit in X-Men Evolution? He had that weird helmet. The dome. The half dome, actually. Yeah. They tend to... And it was clear, too. They tend to give him weird dome helmets. They also seem to just decide, like, this this month, Avalanche is ten feet tall and is why is it why is a truck. And this time, he just looks like a normal dude. Uh... Okay, okay, another good character to mention in that vein, Juggernaut. <laughs> it's not necessarily his costume, because he hasn't had that many different costumes. Yeah, and they, and they all look pretty much the same. It's his size. Nobody can decide what size he is. No. Like, either he's, either he's a normal-sized, muscular dude who just runs through things like he's made of steel, or he's, like, eight feet tall, or, I mean... Not even eight feet tall, like twelve feet tall. And those why is a building, but his head's still tiny. Well, the Hulk went through the same thing, where it's like they had. To, I think they finally just had to go. Okay, he's just this big. Stop drawing him so big. I think that's what a large part of Peter David's run was about was just trying to fix the problems that everyone else had with the Hulk, and one of the big things was not drawing him consistently. Yeah. Hulk was so all over the place in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. To be fair, Hulk has been all over the place for most of the most of his career. Yeah, uh, but it was less obvious. Probably because he was appearing in less titles back then. Yeah. It'd be like, if you read the Avengers, he's 20 feet tall. If you read his solo title, he's, like, 9 feet tall. And Hulk, to me, is all, all, always around 9 feet tall. 9 to 10 feet. It's a good, yeah. good Hulk size for me. I've always, I think my ideal version of Hulk is like uh, Mark Bagley whenever he draws Hulk or someone Bagley. like that. Yeah, Bagley is good. 
like the way Bagley draws Venom is essentially what I imagine Hulk, if not a little bigger. Venom's a character that's all over the fucking place. Well, Venom just has the weird history. Like he he doesn't have a costume deficiency. Yeah. Though his mouth has occasionally been drawn widely different. Yeah, the mouth I've never gotten because either it's insanely slimy or it's just all teeth. Yeah, and sometimes his jaws, you know, the tongue massive. The tongue is just the tongue is the big thing that nobody can seem to agree on. Yeah. I honestly like I honestly got sick of the tongue after a while and I just I preferred it whenever Bagley drew him and he just didn't have a tongue. Yeah. It's only it's 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 weird when you think that everyone after like McFarlane drew him like what people would expect McFarlane's venom to look like. Yeah. And McFarlane's Venom just had, like, he had a very tiny mouth. Yeah. McFarlane's Venom was essentially just what the concept was, which is just kind of an extension of what Spider-Man was like when he was in the suit. Yeah. Like, he, just, he yeah. was just a little more muscular, and he just had a mouth. That was yeah. it. He just had some sharp teeth. That was all. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't even really have, like, the huge teeth until, like, the mid-90s. Yeah. He didn't really have the tongue thing going on, either. Yeah, the, well, the tongue thing, I think it was a late 90s invention. Yeah. But, uh, how do we get to Venom? How did, how did we get to any of this? <laughs> we were talking about you fucking working for Walmart and then Stan Lee creating characters, and now we're fucking talking about having a serious discussion on the visual aesthetic of Venom. After talking about all the X-Men. <laughs> what the fuck? Then return to Pulp Nightmare. Uh, one, one quick visual study comment. Ven- uh, Carnage has never changed. Looks exactly the same. Never. I was actually looking at... Um, it's funny. I, yesterday, I was on my break, and I was watching a video. and uh, Because apparently there's an after credit scene in the <clears throat> Amazing Spider-Man 2 video game. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was watching that just because I was, I was bored and I had nothing else to do. And apparently Carnage is the villain of that game. <laughs> and here's the thing. He just looks like Carnage. He's just comic book Carnage. You, uh, you, you know, perfection is perfection. Can't improve on perfection. I just love the fact that I watched a video of comic book Carnage fighting Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. <laughs> Must have been surreal. It was. It was. Carnage, the one symbiote host allowed to stay with his host. One day, they're going to make a big thing out of Steve Rogers being the next Venom. <laughs> I would breed the fuck out of that. <laughs> Steve Rogers, agent of symbiote. <laughs> <laughs> I want Monster Ock to be canon. Monster Ock is canon, as far as I'm concerned. I can love Monster Ock. So goddamn nonsensical. Uh, he will be the superior Carnage. I love that game so much. I know. I want to go back and play that game every so often, and it's it's the one PlayStation 1 game I've ever thought that with. wish I owned that game. It takes like an hour to beat, too. That's what's great about it, is that it's just one quick sitting, and it still feels satisfying. Especially when you're playing as um, Mr. Captain Universe. Captain Universe, I always liked uh, Spider-Man Unlimited because it had the invisibility aspect. We had this conversation recently <laughs> where I I love the Arkham games, yeah. and the extra skins are cool. 
Yeah, I, I actually really love using them. But it's like just because I like the visual. Yeah, but it's like you know, back in those Spider-Man games, the extra skins actually did shit. Yeah, and with it's really weird when you have a game that has Batman Beyond have the wings and not have the jet thrusters. Yeah, it's like if I'm paying money for extra skins, way overpriced extra skins, they should do something. Yeah. They make it worth it. It's, I just want the Batman Beyond skin with invisibility. That's that's all I want. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It sucks we never got a Batman Beyond game. <sighs> Somber note to end Pulp Nightmare If you do a game that never was, Batman Beyond. He's the Batman of the future. Batman of tomorrow. A new night for <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I, I always remember Peter Cullen saying that. I, it, it blew my mind even as a kid. There's a new Batman in town. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Fucking watch drama out. being a kid back in the 90s. So watch out, criminal scum of Gotham. There's a new hero in town. <sighs> Apathy. Anyway. Breathe. <laughs> Hope. Uh, Light was squandered. Anyway, so that's been this episode of Pulp Nightmare, whatever the fuck that was. I've been Mike. I've been MB. Have pleasant nightmares. Listen next week to another tale of the strange and terrifying. Ah, hello there. I didn't hear you come in. If we haven't met before, my name is Cody Elft. You may know me from such exciting podcasts as Box Office Pulp and Listopia, a 30-part series listing all of life's lists that need to be listed. You may also know me by the following. Flexo, Flexmex, Flexkillington, Flexocabana, Coco, or Ears. But you're not here to learn about my love of lists and nicknames. Instead, you've come to hear about the next dynamic podcast from the Pulp Podcast Network. I haven't personally listened to this new podcast, but as its producer, I am contractually obligated to inform you about how gosh darn fantastic it is. And boy is it. I can only assume it makes 4th of July fireworks in Washington, D.C. look like a cow's cut draped in a second grader's finger painting effort in comparison. But Cody, you ask, what is this truly epic podcast? And what is it about? I'm not exactly sure, but I can tell you this. In life, the great hero Hercules faced 12 labors. He fought the Nemean Lion, the Lernian Hydra, the Cerberus, the Hellhound of Hades. He stole the girdle from Hippolyta, queen of the Amazons. He even traded barbs with an animated James Woods, and a sucker punched the mighty Thor in the face. But now, he faces a greater challenge than all of those tests combined into one giant ball of challenge. Now, Herc must face off against his most challenging foe in Pulp Podcast Network's thrilling new show. Coming soon to a speaker near you, we hope you enjoy Hercules versus the podcast. Hercules possessed a strength the world had never seen. Oh, Hercules, 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 Hercules. Hercules, deliver us from this curse. Hercules, strongest man of no man is superior to Hercules. This has been a Flexco production.